podcast with me phil and me paul and on this week's show we return once again to our series two retrospective and this time we take a look at tooth and claw but first as usual let's have some news now as we've uh, been away because we had our break week last week there's actually a few things to talk about for once isn't there Hooray! 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 okay that's just some juicy stuff as well so let's kick off with some um some very juicy news now um it's been reported um that Paul McGann says that uh, production has started on the Five-ish Doctor's reboot, the sequel. Now, this was mentioned in the Cambridge News, um, by, all, by all accounts. Um, now, this is quite interesting. It is, because you sort of wonder what exactly they're going to do. Yeah, what what's the hook this time? Because obviously the hook yeah. last time was them trying to get into the 50th anniversary. Uh, yeah, I can't imagine what it would be this time. No, it's 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 a bit of an odd one, isn't it? So, yeah. I mean, hopefully, welcome, but oh just, god, just yeah, a bit, just a bit unexpected and yeah, slightly odd. Yeah, they're doing it, but uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm. Obviously, they're trying really to fill odd, up really. that DVD, aren't they? They're going to be bringing out the other one. <laughs> well, I say bring it on because I thoroughly enjoyed the Farvish Doctor's reboot. Yeah. I thought it was it was one of the, the one of the. The, the best I can I can put so extra content for the 50th anniversary wasn't it that on you know yeah. on, on the night it was it was what, really what, what you mean the, the after show party I'm, I'm, s- I'm sorry to say yes it was better than the after show party <laughs> now letting light into this we we recording on the uh, Friday night for this podcast we are indeed yes uh, BBC Three have just reshown Day of the Doctor yes which I've caught the last 20 minutes of. And it just was for, for that ended, and just thought, you know what I really want to watch now is a badly organised <laughs> event hosted by people who haven't got a clue what they're talking about. We'll just, we'll just listen to some of our old episodes of the podcast. podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jo- it's, it's hard to watch it and think that's arsenic. <laughs> oh, well, if the cat fits. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. yeah. I, I mean, yeah. I'm. I'm. Looking for, if this is true, if, if what Paul McGann is saying is true, because they said it is in the Cambridge um, news, it's not you know any. Um, well, he, was, <laughs> he, was, he, was, he was speaking at some event, wasn't he? Yeah, the Cambridge Union Society. Yeah, uh, by all accounts, um, but he also it, gave his uh, his thoughts on a, a female doctor because yeah. he written the BBC missed a trick by not casting a a, um, a woman in in the role of the doctor. But um, I t- let's not go through that again, eh? <laughs> We'll leave that one. For we'll now. leave that one alone for now, sure. Until there's the, the, until Peter Capaldi leaves the role, then it'll come up again. No doubt, no doubt. Yes. Um, now the next bit of news is the Doctor Who experience is to be revamped. Now this doesn't come to any surprise, really, does it? Um, basically, it's to keep up to date with the arrival of the twelfth Doctor, uh, which they still say is coming this autumn. Now apparently, the, the exhibition will close its doors for six weeks, starting from the first of September. And they're going to update all the exhibits to reflect the new Doctor. Now, I don't know if they're going to be putting costumes and stuff as well, but apparently they're going to do a brand new sequence featuring Peter Capaldi, which is going to replace the one that currently has Matt Smith in it. Yeah. Which, Inter- which... Interesting timing of that, though, isn't it? Because if it's mm. six weeks from the 1st of September, that means 
the, the revamped show is going to reopen before the end of the first series with Peter Capaldi in it. Yes. You'd have thought they'd wait until the end of the series so they can use all the stuff. Yeah, it does seem a bit odd, doesn't it? It does seem a bit odd time-wise, yeah. Oh, I can see conspiracy theories now saying, does that mean we're only going to get six, seven episodes? The one starting at the end of August, and then the six for the six weeks it's shut. Uh, Well, I've got Ian Levine on speed dial. Actually, I should be informing him as soon as we finish recording. Because he'll be furious. You know he will. He loves loves a good conspiracy theory as well. (laughs) Yeah, but I mean, it was was bound to happen anyway. Um, I'm assuming this is the... The thing where you, um, it's, and I, I've never been to it myself, the Doctor experience. But apparently, you um, you step through a cracking tone and help the eleventh Doctor. Um, I think that's the Tardis bit at the beginning. Yeah, I believe the interactive part. So I'm assuming they're going to do something new with uh, Capaldi. So, um, so if if we do get any um, further news on that, we which will probably be after the first of September. <laughs> yes. Which by that time we'd have forgotten all about it. Uh, but it's, it's also interesting. First of September is a bit of a because it's still technically, I think, still is it still um, yeah, school they, holidays that, um, that last week of school holidays, or is that that the end of? I think that's the end of the school holidays, isn't it? I think that's why they're closing it. Yeah, yeah, because we because we've got quite an early bank holiday this year. Usually, it's sort of it really is at the end tail end of August, but this yeah. time it's sort of around about the twenty third, twenty fourth, isn't it? Yeah. So that's when the weekend starts. So yeah, we've got quite an early bank holiday this year. So yeah, that would be about right. Yes, it will close as soon as the um, kids go back to school in the UK. Yeah. So, hmm. Okay. As I say, if we get any more news on that, we shall bring it to you. Now, another thing that uh, came up since we've been um, been off air is there's going to be Doctor Who: The World Tour, and this is to promote uh, Series Eight. Now, apparently, Peter Capaldi and Jenna Coleman are going to start uh, this world tour on the 7th of August, um, exclusive events in Cardiff and London. Yeah. Mm, so that's going to be a bit of a, a trek for them. And then it's going to take in um, Seoul in South Korea, Sydney, Australia, New York, uh, Mexico City, and Rio de Janeiro. Okay, and where the tour will end on the ni- 19th of August. So that is quite a large um, undertaking by them, really, isn't it? Well, I don't know. In this day and age, it's not. It's, it's not as if they're going by boat. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, the, the, the three months crossing over the Atlantic, <laughs> <laughs> setting sail. There they go. <laughs> What's that game they used to play on deck with the with the uh, the um... quits? Quits. That's it. That's what I was looking for. <laughs> <laughs> I can see that getting tiresome very quickly. <laughs> Yes, yeah, that now that's um and obviously this is the this is how things are now because you know Doctor Who is a global phenomenon now, isn't it? And how much of this is actually going to where it's successful and how much of it's going to where they'd want it to be successful, I don't know. Yeah, a bit, I mean, of, bit of both, I think, in this. Yeah, I'm not, I, yeah, I can't imagine um Seattle and Rio de Janeiro are sort of you know what you say sort of like um Massive fans of the show. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's maybe we just massive have no idea. No, exactly. New York's a given. Um, Sydney, yes, Australia, because it's yes. Australia's got a massive um, um, following for Doctor Who out there. Cardiff and London, I'm not sure about. You know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I can understand what I've had to do those because you know the, the, the traveling time between the two is so much that you wouldn't you wouldn't be able to go to one if you was in the other, would you? No, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So. Uh, 
but yeah, um, I'm no doubt that there will be some news on this when it's um, when it kicks off in a few weeks' time. So again, if anything comes up, then we will uh, we will bring it to you. Okay, now next up in the news, um, there was been away the um, there was this the the, the birthday honours. It was the, it was the Queen's was, birthday honours list, wasn't it? it? Was yes, birthday. yes. And it's been announced that uh, John Barrowman, uh, obviously you know, played Captain Jack Harkness, and Julie Gardner, who was the former executive producer of Doctor Who, have both been made um, MBEs. Yes. Hooray. Now, those of you who don't know what that um, what an MBE is, it means member of the British Empire. Yes. Yes. So, um, apparently that's the... Isn't that the, like, the lowest award, isn't it? Well, oh, it, it's a bit harsh to be saying it's the lowest award. Well, no, isn't it? Isn't, that, isn't, it, that, isn't the lowest in the ranking? Isn't it? Does it, does it, does it, it depends go, um, on how you view royalism and how. Well, that, does it? I can't remember. Colonialism. Which, what, what order does it go in? Does it go? Is it MBE? Yeah, it's, it's, CBE? it's MBE. No, it's MBE, OBE, CBE. Yeah. Ah, right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So yes, out of those three, it's 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 the first rung on the ladder. Indeed, the bottom rung. You're you're yeah, a, you're a glass half full person, aren't you? <laughs> Actually, funny enough, at the moment I am. <laughs> yeah, my my glass of cheap red plonk is actually half empty. So, ah <laughs> oh dear. So this is what this is what we have to go <laughs> through. Will be sending yours back, will you? Until they upgrade it to an OBE. <laughs> of course, of course, I will. But. <laughs> So this is what we have to do now, folks. We have to recall this while drinking. We have to be drunk to recall this because we. And we advise it's best to listen to it then. <laughs> in the same well. way, indeed. <laughs> okay, but congratulations to them both, anyway. I was actually you know. the, the most interesting thing on that was uh, there's a on uh, DoctorWhoNews.net. There's a little video of John Barrowman talking about having received it and how honoured he is to have received it and how hard it was to keep the. Secret and whatever, yeah, which is yeah quite a standard sort of thing. Just interesting from the fact that he really goes into a Scottish accent to say Scotland. <laughs> it's sort of you know how he goes. You you get the odd bit of him, don't you? But it's just like as if he emphasises the fact that he has to say Scotland that way. Just to just remind everybody, he is actually British. So yes. Or Scottish, what you want to call it, really, if, if you... Well, yeah. I mean, it may be depending on the vote. Does he have to give it back if the vote goes against him? Well, that's a point, isn't it? Yeah, what happens to, uh, Sean Connery, is he going to give back his knighthood? Yeah, maybe. Maybe, yeah. Ah, you see, they don't think these things through, do they? <laughs> oh, do you? Well, I, I'm, I'm quite sure that's the least of their worries, to be honest. <laughs> oh, dear. Now, the last up in our news section... Uh, and this is pointless award uh, time as well. Uh, Doctor Who wins at the... Oh, yeah, I thought that was MBE, according to you. <laughs> this is slightly less pointless than an MBE. Um, it, the Doctor Who's won two awards at the 35th Banff. Now, not pronounce that wrong. Banff, B-A-N-F-F, World Media Festival, which took place in Canada. Uh, that was on... Oh, crikey, that was sort of like week before last, I think, actually. Uh, apparently, it was awarded. This these... is good news travelling fast. It is, isn't it? Yes, it's covered by boat again, isn't it? So <laughs> the awards had a quick a couple of games of quits on the way over. 
Uh, yes, no, it was awarded the Rocky Award for uh, Best Science Fiction, Action and Fantasy, uh, and as well as getting the prize as Best Scripted Programme, which beat The Big Bang Theory. Um, I would like to beat The Big Bang Theory, actually. I can't stand that programme, so... <laughs> it has its fans, but I'm not one of them, I'm afraid. Um, yeah, I've, I, have you ever come across the Banff Awards before? No, but I don't. I don't, I don't travel well at sea. So. No, because well, it's been going on for thirty-five years. Um, this, this is, well, as I said, it's the thirty-fifth of Banff Awards. But... You presume that it may be, it may be a bi-weekly <laughs> every couple of months. Yeah. Oh yeah, but congratulations to Doctor <laughs> Anyway. For... It's like they don't have a podcasting category because we've just ruled ourselves out of that one. <laughs> We were due to win it. <laughs> <laughs> now he's being put through the shredder now. Like that was ever going to happen, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're pretty safe. Yeah, I think we are. I think we are, actually. So, Okay, then. Well, as we've been away for uh, uh, a, a week or so, obviously, um, it's been building up in his corner. There's plenty of tat there, so it means it's time for Omega's Tat Corner. You pester me with trinkets! Right, now, I say plenty of tat. We've got three items to bring you, basically, haven't we? It's more than we've had the last couple of weeks. It is indeed, it is indeed. Um, now, not too sure which order to do these in. So I'll start off with the um, the Time of the Doctor five-inch figure set. Now, this only got announced today, actually. This, this is like hot off the press, this one. So, um, yeah, but yeah, basically this is the uh, Time of the Doctor uh, figure, which features uh, a, a Matt Smith figure with interchangeable heads. Hmm. So, so it comes with the young and... Aged Eleventh Doctor, uh, plus walking cane, sonic screwdriver, and also handles accessories as well. Yes, yes. So, and it's presented in the TARDIS-inspired gift box. It says here. Now, this has just been announced by ToyChestNews.com um, in the US. So, at the moment, I don't actually have a price for you. I've actually clicked on the link. This is li- literally is just hot off the press. As we record, so I'm just about to click on toychestnews.com. Let's see what happens, shall we? Paul, we got to do some tap dancing to fill in the time. <laughs> uh, right, here we go. Here we go. Right, it's anything, fun. and I click on Toy Chest News, and it doesn't give you anything. And it doesn't give me anything at all. It doesn't even go to that particular bloody thing. So it's um, so off the press. It's not even exactly. Uh, so let's try another link. Let's try the BBC shop then, shall we? Let's try it. Um, and that doesn't go there either. All I get is their use of cookies on the BBC shop. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Uh, yeah, so um, basically, we don't have a price for you. So that's that, really. <laughs> yep, yeah, it's, it's one of those things where you're so, so keen to get hold of. You just don't care about the price, do you? We know Indeed, that, yeah. indeed. So we don't bother giving it to you. Yeah, now actually, one of the things I missed as well, it does actually also come, it says here, with a... Um, 12th Doctor head as well. So, yes. you, you got the full kit. You got the full kit. So, um, yes, it doesn't look um, too bad, actually. If you collect that sort of you thing. Collect that yes. sort of thing, yeah. Um, I still reckon that the, the, the figure for the 12th Doctor looks like it, um, uh, the guy from Darts, Den Hegarty. It's still, it, it doesn't look <laughs> anything like <laughs> They've got that mould, haven't they? They're not going to give up on that one, are they? They're not, are they? They're definitely not. So. Now, um, the next one, and this this one I find um, a bit bizarre. There's uh, another Sonic Screwdriver has been released on uh, ForbiddenPlanet.com. 
Uh, we're, we're back to form again. It's back to Forbidden Planet. Um, now, this is the day of the Doctor. Tenth Doctor Sonic Screwdriver. And this is different to the original Tenth Doctor Sonic Screwdriver toy that was released. Now, anything I can see is different. It's just slightly different in colour. Which that's apparent, enough. That's, that's enough, enough. Which apparently the prop was. Yeah. In the TV show. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know whether this is actually worth bringing out. This is one for completists, isn't it? And <laughs> have you pre-ordered it? No, I haven't. I haven't. I haven't even got the John Hurt one yet either. But um, that yeah, is... so you haven't expanded the display case yet, have you? No, I haven't. No, I've still got my. I'm, I'm gutted about that. Actually, I spent lovingly put put that in a nice little display case. All my four Sonic screwdrivers, and they bought out another one. The, the bastards. And, and it looks like they're just going to keep doing it. They, they are, aren't they? They are. But look, it does look like the Twelfth Doctor is going to keep Matt Smith's Sonic screwdriver, though. So. For now. For now, for now, yes, indeed. So you can pre-order this, if you're a completist, uh, you can pre-order this uh, from ForbiddenPlanet.com, and it will ship on the 7th of July. And the pre-order price for this is £10.99, which is about right, really. That's not, I think, because the uh, the previous Sonic Screwdrivers are going for £9.99 for Forbidden Planet, so it's only a pound extra. So everything's going by ship, this podcast. (laughs) Isn't it? Yeah. Crikey. This is... (laughs) It's it's the future, Paul. <laughs> it's the future. Right now, lastly in um, in Tack Corner. Now, this I, I don't really understand this thing either. It, it's the Titans collection. Now, these are these funny little um, figures that got like they're like bobblehead uh, figures, aren't they? Yeah. I can't really describe what they're like, but basically they're doing a regeneration collection, and basically it's a complete display of all twelve Doctors. So obviously it goes from Hartnell up to uh, Capaldi. Now it says here that the blurb for this one is celebrate the world's favourite space and time travelling adventurer with this unique collaboration between the BBC and Titan Merchandise, a multiverse of figures to collect. Now this again is to, uh, available to pre-order from ForbiddenPlanet.com. This isn't, uh, doesn't ship until the 1st of November. However, this retails at the pre-order price of £149.99. Yeah. This does seem a, a, a trifle um, expensive, to be what honest. I can't quite understand is if you look at the related products on the, on the website we're looking at. Yes. Everybody, look, look at the website we're looking at. Um, the price down there seems to be variously changing. Yes, because they've, they've got the same thing down the bottom for the web price of £7.99. <laughs> Sounds an interesting bargain. Yeah, now, now also they also have the... There's uh, bargains to be found if you shop around. If you obviously. shop around, yes. Uh, they've also got the Doctor Who Titans, the 11th Doctor Geronimo collection. It's a 20-unit uh, edition, apparently. That's, again, £149.99. They've got the Doctor Who Titans vinyl figure 10th Doctor Gallifrey collection. Uh, that is £7.99. But so then you've also got uh, the Doctor Who Titans Eleventh Doctor series again at seven ninety nine. So it seems to be depending on whether you've got eight pounds or one hundred and fifty pounds. There's something for everyone. Yes. Now, if any, anybody... I mean, in some cases, it looks like the same thing for everyone. I know. And if somebody can actually sort of shed some light on this little collection for us, um, please write in. Please write in because we, we are absolutely clueless and what why. This particular set is so expensive. Why the others uh, are so Dutch? <laughs> I, I've, I've clicked on the seven ninety nine one. Yeah, and that's available for pre order. Oh, here we go. On the second of November. Ah, so 
So you have to pay 150, 149 pounds 99 if you want it on the 1st of November. But if you wait till the 2nd of November, it's 7.99. That's that's ridiculous. <laughs> Does this not come in some amazing case or something? I I don't know. It it must do, but there's I don't know. I don't know. There's, there's... Do you know what? I reckon this is a mistake. More <laughs> us trying to work it out. Work it out, indeed. <laughs> yes. We should have just left it there. We should have done. Said it was one hundred and forty nine ninety nine and walked away. Now the Geronimo collection, uh, that is that's that's the other one at one hundred forty nine pounds ninety nine pence. That is available um, to pre order, um, and it will be uh, uh, to. I'll say that again to ship on the thirtieth of July. There's a, well, there's a lot of exclusives here, isn't there? There's tat within tat here. Yeah. Hmm. And none of it worth buying. <laughs> Yeah, they're like these little funny little vi- three. They're only three inches tall as well, so I, I really don't know what the appeal of these are. I don't. Obviously, just not meant for you. No, this is one for the kids, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, the write-up for both the £149 one and the, and the £799, one, 799 one are pretty much the same. <laughs> the only difference I can see so far and what it says is that one ships on the 1st of November and one ships on the 2nd. Well, there you go, folks. Um, take your pick, really. You can you can you can spend hundred and fifty quid, or you can spend eight quid. It's entirely up to you. The choice is yours. <laughs> I know which one I buy. Well, actually, neither of them. To be <laughs> yeah, honest, exactly. <laughs> exactly which one I'm not buying. Yeah. So <laughs> either way, I look at it. I'm eight quid up, or I'm one hundred and fifty pounds <laughs> up on the deal. Yeah, let's think. Yeah, you actually saved. Think of it as saving 150 pounds. It's even better. <laughs> you can go out now. And you can now tell your wife you've saved 150 pounds on not buying this and spend it on something else. <laughs> oh dear. Right. Okay. That's it. That is it for the news. That's it for Omega's Tech Corner. This for this week. So uh, coming up next is our review of Tooth and Claw. So for another week, then that was the news. <laughs> Right then, everyone, it's time to continue with our Series 2 retrospective. And this week, of course, we are going to discuss Tooth and Claw. The story goes back 300 years. Every full moon, the howling rings through the valley. Next morning, livestock is found ripped apart and devoured. Might I introduce Her Majesty Queen Victoria? This is a man who becomes an animal. A werewolf. But it can't be an actual wolf. Bullets can't stop it. They'll buy you time to run. May God forgive me. Okay, now I believe it's my turn to go first, isn't it? Okay, now um, before we sort of we get into reviewing this properly, this is actually our second time of doing this episode for the podcast, isn't it? It is. Yeah. It is. Yes. Now we did um, a commentary, didn't we? A long time ago, but it never got released. No. 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 We had. Why did we do the commentary for it? I can't remember now. Um, I think as much because the first commentary we tried to do crashed no no that was that was um the lodger 
Right. Because that, that replaced our aborted attempt of Warriors of the Deep. Right. Did, did we get a flash and think, oh, that's all right, we'll just knock out three or four commentaries at once? I think so. And, it... and by the time we got to this one, it was obvious why we can't do that. <laughs> yes, we did run out of steam, because I think we did a, a classic Who story first, like four episodes long. We thought we'd do this one as well, get a few in, in the bank, wasn't it, I think, was, yes, was the yeah. idea. And we, we can sit back and relax for a few weeks. Yeah, exactly. This Actually, this is when we were just once a month, wasn't it? It was, yeah. <laughs> and we were still trying to sit back and relax. Right? <laughs> Lazy bastards, weren't we? But, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, yeah, it never got released. It never got released. So, uh, I don't think it ever will. <laughs> and when you consider what we have released, that should tell you everything you need. <laughs> right. Okay. Let's let's get on with the review of this story then. Um, do you know what I I still quite like this story to be honest. I, th- I think it's fun I like it, I think it's it's probably, it's actually one that I would actually just it's you know, we sort of go through these and you think, if, if how many times would you think I'd actually just pick up one of the CDs and think, oh I'll put that on, this yeah. is actually one of the ones that I would do I, yeah, I agree, I completely agree um, it has one annoying thing, but other than that, it's a, it's it's a very good. I think it's a very good story. I do. What's the annoying thing? Should we get the annoying stuff out of the way first? It's it's the uh, not amused running gag. Yes, I've made the exact same um, note as well. It does get very tiresome very quickly, doesn't it? It does. It's it, it, it's it's it, fair enough. I can say yes. It's it's a it's a it's a gag you can put in there. But they just really did milk it, didn't they? They did. Uh, I know there was a point to it, because it was to show how flippant and arrogant the Doctor and Rose were to the situation. Yeah. And how that, that did, sort of didn't come across to sort of like the Victorian sensibilities. Yes. Which, which is fine. It, it had its part. But yeah, as you're, you're right, they really did milk it, didn't they? They did. And it was just... I mean, in some ways, this is this was... A, is is was is a very good story and could be quite atmospheric and that really did actually i know what you're saying about trying to show how flippant they were to to historical things and whatever yeah and to danger and everything but it did take you out of it too much yeah it did didn't it yeah it it was one of those situations where people were getting slaughtered yes i think that kind of humor didn't really sit very well but I think I think that obviously that is supposed to be the point to it. Yeah, it didn't oh. sit well, and and they and they were sort of brought to task, taken to task on it, I should say. So yeah, but as you as you say, yeah, it, it did get a little bit a little bit grating come the end. Um, but the other the other bit I found I, I didn't like, and I know this was the whole setup through the entire series, was the torchwood bit. Well, it was it was the opening, wasn't it, to it? Yeah, and it just that bit then and. I just found it really, really um, forced. Watching it now, I just found it really false. I think I don't know if it's something to do with um, Pauline Collins' delivery of the lines. I, I actually think it is. I actually don't think, in terms of the actual story itself, I you know sometimes do knock uh, Russell T Davis for throwing stuff in when he forcing stuff in. But I don't actually think this actually. I think did work in terms of that. This was actually a good idea of bringing the idea of Torchwood into and where it came from. Mm. 
Um, I, I actually do think I actually do blame Pauline Collins for her delivery on that. Yeah, it, it wasn't didn't have any de- any depth to it. No, but the the funny thing is though, um, I did find Pauline Collins to be very very good for the for the rest of the episode. Yes, I thought she was fantastic. To be honest, I really did. I mean, I'd agree with that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, especially that bit when she's confronted by one of the um, or the you know, I was going to call it the the lead bald guy, what you want to, whatever his um, his name is. Basically, when she's sort of facing her with the gun, and that she sort of sh- you can see her hand shaking, and then then he, yeah. he, I come what he says that sort of triggers that, and then she gets finds a resolve, and then she just shoot, and immediately her hand stops shaking and she shoots him. Yeah, and I think that just I, sums that. So I think I don't know why what it is about that, but I think that that's so you like to think of Queen Victoria for some to, reason, to not taking any crap off anybody. The whole actual scene that was taken in the dining room was really good on this, I think, from the the sycophantic captain yep. and her reaction to him yep. to the doctor saying about how much she missed Albert and her reaction to that. Then to, obviously, the that scene where she's, yeah, obviously confronting the, the father. Yeah, see it. Yeah, I, I thought she the whole as you say that whole scene was so well done, and to be quite honest, I think if anybody sort of like says oh, RT, I know we have said it ourselves, so you know we're going to be horsed by our own petard now. But we said in the past the sort of RTD he couldn't write, he he couldn't do you know he couldn't do proper stories, he couldn't do science fiction. I, but I would point people towards this, yeah, because I reckon this is a a, a solid forty five minutes of Doctor Who. It is, and what it is 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 actually because it's fairly self-contained. Yeah, it happens all within the one location. There's no room for the grandesque that he tends to go when he goes wrong. He goes into yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's all yeah. basically character-driven. It is, and to be honest, it's it's almost like a um, it's a very very basic Doctor Who story, but there seems to be the ones that. It seems that if you think of like base under siege, you think of Troughton because a lot of these yeah. stories were base under siege, and that's all this is. It is, yeah, really, and it's it's very it's uh it's a claustrophobic story, isn't it? Because it's all set within that mansion. It's very dark corridors and lots of like you know running into different rooms and trying to you know barricading the doors that sort of thing. So yeah. um I, I think it's fantastic. I, I really do like it. Really do like it. And um, bits in this, I mean, I actually, this I think is was the worst. We were still in the sort of what is Tennant going to be like as a doctor, mm. and this I think was the one we thought. Actually, no, I quite like him as the doctor in this. Yeah, it hadn't. Yeah, he hadn't become. I don't know. I don't know if it's because you were, by that time you weren't quite used to him, um, and it's also that fact he hadn't become that human yet, had he? No, not at this I mean, point. Anyway, the scene where he he comes first. He first sees the wolf, mm. which is a totally brilliant reaction, I think, for the Doctor. Yeah. To be just marvelling at how wonderful it is. And also, all the way through, he actually marvels at how wonderful this life form has been and how it's adapted to survive and whatever, you know? Yeah. It's not just this monster that's got to be destroyed or run no, from. No, there's, it, a, there's it is. an admiration there for it, yes. isn't there? Yeah. Yeah, that that's very doctor like, isn't it? Very doctor like. 
you know. But actually, we're on the subject of the um, of the werewolf. Um, how do you think that holds up now as a as an all CGI creation? Um, it's it's actually not too bad because what they did is they tended to they didn't really use it a huge amount, other than right at the front when it breaks out of the cage, mm. and probably at the end where it's pinned up by the the moonlight. Yeah. Most of it is is moving very quickly um, down the dark and down darkened corridors. Yeah, they don't give you too much of a a, a look. You get a, a couple of closer, as you say, the one when it bursts out of the cage. And the one bit I really love is when they're trapped in the room that the wolf can't get into. Yeah. And there's that split screen thing with David Tennant on one side of the wall and the wolf on the other. Yeah. And they're both listening to see what's happening on the, on either side. I, I love that, but um, okay, yes, it does. It's very difficult to CGI fur, especially back then and on the budget yeah. they had. But I think yeah. on the budget they had, and and if you think about when it was done as well, I still think it holds up. It doesn't take you out of it. No, it doesn't. It really doesn't. I think it is, it is very, very well done. And as you say, it's used sparingly. Yeah. If you if you compare it to something like, um, we always come back to this, the Merca. Yeah, well, I mean, I mean that that totally is different. Yeah, it's different, but but but, but, but yeah, but that's the, the, where the but they used of, it of well. well. Yeah, in, in a, yeah, that 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 problem wasn't wasn't the bu- budget. It was the fact of the fact that they then didn't try to hide the fact they had no budget. Exactly, exactly. But, but isn't they... isn't the thing on this that um. There's, there's a bit on the commentary on this talking about this. They they said to Russell T Davis, "You can have so many shots of the werewolf." Mm. That's all they had the budget for, so he had to write it in a way of. And he was having to keep count of how many times he actually had it in shot, so to speak, as he oh, was writing, okay. and had to fit his writing to do that. Hence. When they're in the room, you sort you don't get you just get the sort of noise of it prowling around. Other than that one shot of the split screen bit. Now you see that's more effective, and it does work. And it does, and it shows you how good a, a writer he can be. Probably when he, he's constrained, I think it's actually when he when the constra- he isn't constrained that he actually goes off the rails. Yeah, that's it. You're right because it, it, it sort of because he's got to he's got to work within a very very strict. Well, that's what I say. Strip, but he's got to be very focused to what he does there, yes. isn't he? Yeah, very focused. So, I, I think because I think this is one of his best stories. Yeah, had to work to to, to a certain yeah. Rather use than being, it, use it for impact rather than yeah. Rather than being grandiose and coming yeah. out with all sorts of and, and chucking everything at the wall and see what sticks. I think to be told that you can only do if you use the werewolf, it's going to eat up the budget. Yeah, and to do that, but and actually keep the werewolf thing because a lot of a lot of writers will go, well, well, we'll scrap that and change it to something else that's cheaper. So I think to actually stick with your original idea, but use it more sparingly, I think it's it's a very very um, tight and disciplined script. Yeah, I mean, again, from the commentary that's on the um, DVD, he says about the fact that he wasn't actually going to write this; it wasn't meant for him to be writing this one. Yeah, someone else is actually supposed to write it, and. When it came back, it wasn't what they wanted. Oh, right. So he had to step in and... Uh, so that's, that's do, why he ended up doing this one. Give it a bit of polish, as it were. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as in literally just 
he uh, he had an idea of what he wanted and, and had asked somebody to come up with that. Yeah, yeah. They'd then gone and done pretty much their own sort of thing. And he came back and when it came back to him, he said, no, no, this is what I want. And if I've got to write it myself, I will write it myself. Yeah. Oh, right. He just well, didn't just... think the person who the script he'd got back was really Doctor Who. Oh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm glad he did write it. I am as well. Honest, because I, I really like it. I really I really do like this episode. Um, now, something else I was going to mention as well, and is, is the, the stuff they could get away with for a family audience. Because traditionally, werewolves uh, or werewolf films, I should say, are extremely gory affairs, aren't they? Yeah. Um, now, also, there's other things they sort of got away with for a family audience. The opening scene, the, the, the kung fu fight in the courtyard. Yeah. It looks fantastic. To, 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 totally irrelevant. To, talking of Russell T. Davies not having the opportunity to get grandiose. Yes, there we are. <laughs> it um, just sort of thinks, ah, oh, monks, I've got monks. What, do, what can I do with monks? Kung fu. Yeah, <laughs> kung fu, monks and werewolves. And it was all that sort of time, wasn't it? With the Yeah, now it was, um, I mean, it looked great. The, the whole, all that, um, the only, what do they call it, waifu, don't they, or something. Yeah. Where they used a lot of wires to, to to perform those sort of big leaps through the air. Um, it looked great. It did look fantastic. It wasn't used again in the episode, which this is what I mean by it was completely irrelevant. It was, yeah. Um, but I suppose they had to say how they managed to over overpower. Come, yeah, come that, and it was, it was as good a way, I suppose, as any. Yeah, um, but yeah, I suppose it made them a threat, didn't it? Yeah, really, it did make them make the monks a threat. Um, but. Uh, yeah, so I mean, but again, I'd, I'd forgotten how little of the fight they actually show. Yeah, it is literally just that one bit where they're sort of three of them are spinning over. Yeah, and you never at, and you never um, actually see them really sort of connect with any punches or kicks or anything. No, you just see people sort of. You might see the beginning of a them throwing the punch or or or, or, the, or, or the kick or whatever or the yeah. stick or whatever. Yeah, um, then you just see one of the one of the the guys go flying through the air or land in a big pile of boxes or something. You know, it's... Uh... But there was other things like, um, I mean, the werewolf attacks yeah. as well. Um, you had the, the one with the guy being pulled up through the ceiling, which was, well, the, I think that's a rip of Alien 3, really, when Brian Glover gets pulled up into the ceiling by the alien. I mean, that was well done. But again, you can hear, it's, it, it was the noise. Well, actually, the worst one is the sound of the captain that they leave who's shooting, isn't he? Yeah, and you hear that as they run into to the he, observatory. He screams, bit. yeah, yeah. No, it's not. He runs into the. Um, they run into the library bit, don't they? On that yes, one, that's right. Yeah, and you can really hear that, and you're thinking, "Ooh, that's that, that's gonna that's gonna that's gonna smart in the morning, isn't yeah. it?" <laughs> <laughs> Must have hurt. Yeah, <laughs> just stay away from the lemon juice. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's um, yeah. I I, I I like that though. I think that was. Pushing what they could do for a family audience, which I, yeah. I don't know if they would do that now. No, I don't know. I... Could you? I mean, if you think back to sort of like the first two series of Doctor Who, and obviously we haven't covered series one yet, but if you go to the Unquiet Dead, before it gets to the opening credits, you've got that animated corpse wandering through, it and it just walks up with the screen screaming at you. And that was, I mean, I mean, I know for a fact that did give my niece, when she was she was um, quite little at the time, that did give her nightmares. Yeah, and I don't think they would do that sort of thing now. I'm trying to think of something comparable now that was that was sort of near the knuckle for a family audience, violence-wise. Yeah, 
Oh, I might have to come back to that one. Yeah, I just, I just can't think of anything off the, off the top of my head that would actually do that now. Um, and I think, as, as sort of as a, a werewolf story goes, and they've given it a, a bit of a you know a sci-fi twist. Um, I, I think it was effective. I mean, people sort of like if if a werewolf story is not gory, it's not showing you know throats being ripped out uh, as werewolves traditionally do, then um, werewolf fans aren't happy. But um, I think this works. Uh, they, they did it with the atmosphere. It was it was all atmosphere, indeed. Yeah, indeed. And even I quite like the fact that it's not necessarily actually it's not the Doctor who who comes up with the plan to stop it. It's just the Doctor who works out what the plan was. Yeah, it's actually somebody else has been as clever. Yeah. Now, like, now I like the fact it was it was Sir Robert's father. Yeah. And Albert. Yeah. That come up with it. And the fact that he kept having the, the diamond recut, so it was per, and it was nothing to do with the fact that he didn't think it was per, he, it was some sort of OCD thing. He was getting it cut so it would, it would project it would the work. moonlight properly. Yeah, it would work in what they want as they wanted it to. Yeah. So I, I and I love the fact it was the 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 doctor figure. It was a trap within the trap. Yeah. So yeah, I I I I love it. I just love this story. I think it's. I think the more I'm talking about, it, the more infused I'm getting about it as well. You know? Yeah, but it was a good one because you think to yourself, well, you know, how else would you how else would you have got out of that situation? You know, for the doctor to oh, well, I just found this works and this works and this works. No, yeah. he actually, it's it's there. It's there for a reason. Yeah, they've been building for this happening. It's just they didn't last long enough to actually be there themselves. It just needed somebody else to be there to work it out. Yeah, that's it. And that was the Doctor. Yeah, which I, I brilliant. You know, I thought I loved it. Um, there was there was one thing that I did make another note, and it was another sort of negative thing, and it's nothing to do with the actual story itself, but that bit where the, the, the Doctor's figuring out the, the, the you know the trap within the trap. Yeah, I found the editing made him overly manic. And which they which they do again in later episodes. Well, I'll come to that when when we when we get to it. But it was it was all sort of like the doctor sort of running his hands through his hair, sort of getting like a mad professor. So yeah. and, and the way that they, they cut the scene, or they cut his um, the scene to build up his thought process, it was also oh oh oh, and it was all and the way they cut it made him overly manic, and it didn't need it. No, it really didn't need it. Um, and I think probably. I'm beginning to wonder now because I, I I got tired of that with David Tennant, and maybe it wasn't so much him; it was the way they just cut the scenes together that made uh, that made the tenth Doctor like that. As, as it sort of it, it, um, accentuated it a bit. It might have done at the start, but I think he does he does it all on his own later on. Because <laughs> <laughs> he even managed to do it in Day of the Doctor, having just seen the end bits of that. Yeah. And there's no editing with such. <laughs> so. uh, fair de- but the way they just cut the scenes, it was sort of different angles of, yeah. of of the same thing, and it just made him look like he was like acting like a complete loon running around the room or something. But yeah. uh, but there were other little things I liked as well, and it, it's actually quite um, <laughs> quite relevant to me now. Actually, is when he introduced himself to the Queen Victoria at the beginning, and he says, "I'm, I'm Doctor James McCrimmon." Yeah. So he obviously got a nice little callback. So he said from Balamori. Mm. Um, now, those who don't know what Balamori is uh, at home, Balamori is a kids show. Um, for uh, it's on CBBS, the the, the kids, uh, the children's BBC, as it's called. 
which my son, my 60-month-old son, absolutely adores. He loves Balamori. So it's actually quite relevant to me now, actually, because back then, Balamore, what's Balamori? But now I know exactly what, what, the, what the little in-joke was there. So It's caught up with me. It's you. caught up with me at last, yes. Um, um, Balamori actually filmed in Tobamori, right. which was the name of one of the Wombles. So. I, was gonna say, I wasn't going to go there, to be honest. It wasn't filmed in his side he's still twitching corpse. There is actually... A, <laughs> You filmed inside a dead womble. <laughs> They're real, you know, but <laughs> But um, aren't they supposed to be coming back the wombles? Didn't I didn't I read that something they're gonna reboot I, the wombles? I, I suspect everything is coming back. Oh, God, I suppose, sooner or later. I suppose there'll be a hip hop womble, won't there? <laughs> Just to appeal to the kids. about 30 by now exactly (laughs) Uh, yes i'm now in curmudgeonly old bastard mode but there you are um actually actually, the one thing actually in in thinking about this afterwards where you think to yourself well why didn't why didn't that happen is when the wolf drops into the library yeah through the window yeah when they shut the doors of the library as they run out how did it get out Yes, because there was the uh, mistletoe symbol yes. on the door. Yes, indeed. It, it was strong enough to keep it out, but obviously not strong enough to keep it in. <laughs> Have we reached the point now where we're nitpicking? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and the fact that that's the only thing that I actually find on this one, and it is uh, really a, a minor point, I it think. It is a, a very minor point, but... Um, um, I was yeah. going to say, should, should, we, should we sort of stop there? Yes, yes. Before we do so. start nitpicking, because I really don't want to, um, don't want to nitpick. So we got the the bad stuff out of the way at the beginning, um, yeah, uh, which we we both agreed on as well. Yeah. Um, which which isn't overly that bad. It is just more that it just takes you out, stops you from really immersing yourself into this story. Indeed, and Indeed. with a story that is based on atmosphere, it's 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 slightly, yeah. But, uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, it's, I can um, forgive it. Yeah, yeah, I can. Yeah, I can forgive it as well. Actually, I can, I can find it in my heart to forgive so, that minor <laughs> we, indiscretion. We, we, we are that big. We are. <laughs> but an MBE is still crap, though. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, okay, that's a good time to to wrap this up. Now, next week, it, we're we are going to bring you a commentary. Yes. Yes. Now, despite saying we weren't going to bring you a commentary this month. Uh, we are. We, we are going to be able to squeeze one in. Now, the commentary is actually going to take up the next two weeks, um, and then we'll be back on a break week again. So, what are we going to be doing, Paul? We are going to be looking at what may or may not be a little series of the post-regeneration stories. Yes, indeed. And now, we um... are starting with... Spearhead from Space. Yes, indeed. John Pertwee's first story. Now, obviously, um, we've already done a few post-regeneration stories because uh, we've done uh, Time of the Rani and <laughs> we've done uh, the... Uh, oh, Christ, I've forgotten the name of it, the, the Colin Baker one. The Twin Dilemma. Twin Dilemma, that's it. I was going to say Twins of Evil. Well, that's a, that's a Hammer <laughs> Horror film. But... <laughs> Maybe I'm right the first time. It fits, though, doesn't it? <laughs> the Twins of Evil, starring Colin Baker. Um, <laughs> oh, dear. 
Yes, the twin dilemma. How how can I forget that? So yeah, so what the <laughs> tried. <laughs> so what, what the plan is? So we hope to kick off this little mini series leading up to uh, Peter Capaldi's first story. Um, com- in August. Our commentaries between now and his first story should all be post regeneration. So we're going to bring you in order. Um, it's going to be um, basically it's the post regeneration stories we haven't actually done yet. Um, so it's going to be uh, Spirit from Space which is going to be the next two weeks. And then hopefully in July, um, actually the way things are going at the moment, we're going to follow this um, commentary. Then it'll be a break week and with another commentary. So you're going to get loads of commentaries for the next few podcasts. So that, so the one in July will be robot. And then in August, uh, the final one leading up to Peter Capaldi's uh, first story, it's going to be Castrovalva. This <laughs> is, so, this is this is very optimistic of us actually saying that we're going. To, two weeks ago, we we have, we've gone flip flopped about when we're going to get this one out. Let alone, let alone what's going to happen in. Three, I know, I know. So um, yes, it's it's all gone a bit um, a bit weird. So um, but actually, it, 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 the, the commentary we said um, was going to be this weekend, and it's not. It's actually going to be the following like, next week yes. now. So. Um, so we were right, really. We we were planning to get a commentary out to you this weekend, but but instead it's going to be the following two weekends instead. So, um, however, they they tend to be our least downloaded episodes, our our commentaries for some reason. Um, but uh, yeah, we don't we, care because we, we, we just love doing them anyway. Um, so of course that means the return of Tony. You can have Tony for four podcasts on the bounce. My God. <laughs> Is everyone ready for that? I don't know. But... I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's looking less appealing, isn't it? It is, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that's what's to come over the next few weeks. So there we go. Okay, then. So I think that's a good time to call it a day, isn't it? It is. It is. <laughs> Before we bring Tony back. <laughs> Indeed. And on that rather overly optimistic note, <laughs> it is goodbye from me, Phil. And goodbye from me, Paul. Goodbye. to the Who's He podcast. Please visit our website at who's-he-podcast.co.uk. You can also follow us on Twitter at who's underscore he underscore podcast. And please also join the Who's He podcast Facebook group. The Who's He podcast is a member of the Doctor Who Podcast Alliance.